Welcome to CT Church. This message was recorded during our Sunday service. We hope you enjoy this presentation. This morning, I'm continuing. Uh, I began this series last week that I preach about every four years. It's something that I think we need to keep in the forefront of our thoughts. Man's greatest struggle, which is what? Sin. We all struggle with it. If you say you don't, then you're lying to yourself. We all struggle with sin. And I mentioned last week, there are churches across America that, that will say, we don't use the word sin in our church. You know, it sounds too judgmental. And my thought is that if we're not going to use the word sin, what on earth are we going to tell people they need to be saved from? We all need to be saved. And what is it we need to be saved from? Our sins. It's, it's a no-brainer. So uh, I visit this topic every few years uh, on the seven deadly sins. We started last week talking about pride, how pride is really the root of all of the sinful things we get ourselves involved in. But as we go down the list, uh, the second in our list today is envy. Now, envy is one of those words, you know, if you see the word murder, you see the word uh, stealing, lying, I mean, you think, oh, I don't want to live that way. Those are terrible things. But, you know, you see this word envy, and it just doesn't sound that menacing, does it? Eh, I got a little envy. When, in fact, it is number two on our list of seven deadly sins for a good reason. And we're going we're gonna to really delve into that this morning, why this it is a four-letter word for a good reason, envy. But let me begin this morning by asking you a question about your childhood. This probably pertains more to guys, but sometimes to girls. And the question is this, when you were a kid, did you ever imagine or kind of pretend to be a superhero with superpowers? Let me see your hand if you did that. Um, almost all of us guys did that. I did it all the time. There were several superheroes that I was kind of particularly envious of when I was a kid, and I had various homemade costumes that I would put on uh, when I was, you know, going into character, so to speak. And boy, when I put that cape on, the bad guys had better look out. We had these big black bath towels when I was growing up, and I'd use one of those and a big old safety pin, and it would make a great Zorro cape. Who remembers Zorro? And I would run around the house, you know, killing bad guys with my sword and cutting a big Z and things when I loved Zorro. The same black cape also doubled as a wonderful Batman cape. And I mean, I was really into Batman at the time because, you know, the TV show was on. And we, us kids, we thought that was just the coolest thing in the world. And do, 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 yeah, you've all heard it. You've all heard it. <clears throat> so... Into Batman, actually, neither Batman nor Zorro were technically superheroes. I know people will argue this with me. There's a lot of kids will tell you that Batman is one of their favorite superheroes, but uh, a lot of people find this shocking. Technically speaking, even Batman, not an actual superhero because he did not possess any superpowers. People argue this all the time. If you want to argue, you know, my doors are always open. If you need to talk about deep theological truths or who is or who is not a superhero, I'm available. Batman, who we, of course, we all know was, who was he? He was millionaire 
Bruce Wayne. And he was technically a private detective who was very, very strong, but he had tons of money in which he was able to develop all kinds of fancy high-tech gadgets. Who's already glad you came to church today? I mean, we're getting after it right now. Spider-Man, Spider-Man was one of my favorites. Spider-Man was, of course, an actual superhero because he did possess real superpowers after having been bitten by that radioactive spider. And when I was young, I would have a lot of, I thought about this a lot. I mean, I remember thinking uh, thoughts like, man, how cool would it be to get bitten by a radioactive spider? Where can I find me a radioactive spider? And I wonder what radioactive means. I didn't know what it meant. I just knew I wanted to get bit by a spider that had it, you know. And I gave it a lot of thought, and that did seem to be, out of all the options, kind of the easiest path to superherodom, just get bit by a spider. But my all-time favorite, and generally everybody's all-time favorite, was, of course, Superman, the king of all superheroes. I mean, I work alone up here, okay? <laughs> My door's open if you want me to explain why you are so incredibly wrong. But anyway, <laughs> Superman is the king of all superheroes. We're talking faster than a speeding, more powerful than a able to leap tall buildings in a single, a single bound. A lot of those other guys took two, maybe three bounds. I just, <laughs> single bound we're talking. But most importantly, he could fly. Nothing tops being able to fly. That's every kid's dream. And the other cool thing is he was able to disguise himself as mild-mannered reporter Clark Kent. There was no way humanly possible to tell that Clark Kent was really Superman because of the glasses. <laughs> Those people in Metropolis were some of the dumbest people on planet Earth. <laughs> hey, you know, I think that Clark Kent might be Superman. They look exactly the same. What, are you crazy? He can't be Superman. Clark Kent wears glasses. Oh, yeah, you got me there. Well, whichever superhero you think is the greatest, I'll leave it up to you. The underlying truth was that we were all just kind of envious of their superpowers. We wished we had superpowers. And when you're a kid and you dream about being a superhero and you're kind of envious of the superpowers, it's all pretty innocent and harmless unless you were one of those kids that climbed up on the house and jumped off to see if they could really fly. But thankfully, there was only a few of those. But it's not nearly, not nearly so harmless when we grow up. We become adults, and we're still fighting all these feelings of jealousy and envy over the lives of other people that we see around us. Then it becomes a very dangerous thing. We can be envious of their stuff, envious of their money, envious of their careers. And when we're envious of that kind of stuff, it becomes very harmful in our life. In fact, it can become deadly, which is why envy is second on our list 
of the seven deadly sins. So let's begin again this morning by reading this key verse that is woven through this entire series, Hebrew 12, verse 1, that says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. And so once again, keep in mind those words that so easily trips us up, trips us up, because that is exactly what sin does in our life. Now here's another good definition of sin that I came across. Anything in our life that hinders us from being what God created us to be. I think that's a pretty all-encompassing definition, don't you? People say, what is sin? You can tell them it's anything in your life that keeps you from being what God wanted you to be. Anything that keeps us from that is sin in our life. And God has a very specific plan. His word tells us he has a very unique plan for each one of our lives. And anything that we embrace in life that hinders us from fulfilling that plan is sin in our life. Envy and jealousy are absolutely two things that keep us from being what God wants us to be. And that makes those very deadly to us. All throughout this series, we're talking about how God wants us to strip away all of these things that hinder us from a walk with Him and replace them that with things that bolster our walk with Him, that make us better people because we're more godly people. Now, listen to the definition of envy. The definition of envy is this, the desire for the traits, status, abilities, or situations of others. That's what envy is. And listen to this, because I, I personally find this very, very interesting. Of all the seven deadly sins that we talk about in this series, envy is quite different from the rest of them. Envy stands out from all the others because of two important reasons. First of all, envy is the only one of the seven deadly sins that is also mentioned in the Ten Commandments. The tenth commandment that God gave to Moses was, Thou shalt not covet. Or in other words, envy. It's right there in the Ten Commandments. The second thing is this. Envy is the only sin on this entire list that doesn't provide any pleasure. Think about it for a moment. I mean, if we'll all be honest with ourselves, let's face it, most sins do provide a certain level of pleasure at least for a while, correct? It, that wasn't very resounding. I'm always, I'm always amused that people, they get kind of pious and someone will say, there's certainly no pleasure in a life of sin. And I'm thinking, well, how goofy is that? How wrong can you be? If there was no pleasure in a life of sin, it would not be nearly so popular. Right? There's all, almost always at least an a amount of pleasure for a certain time. I mean, even the Bible tells us that. It's very plain. The Bible says the pleasures of sin last for a season. That one sentence tells us two things. One, most sin is pleasurable. Two, it's only going to last a certain amount of time. 
So both of those truths are evident in that one simple sentence, right? The pleasures of sin last only for a season. Most sins are pretty fun. As a matter of fact, back when I originally put this series together, I almost decided to name it Seven. They might be deadly, but they sure are fun. And then I decided, well, someone might misinterpret that to mean something. So we just call it the Seven Deadly Sins. But the truth is that most sins are fun for a while. Greed. You'll go down the list here. Greed, well, that can be fun. Wanting and gaining everything in life that you possibly can. That's fun for a while. Gluttony. It's fun to eat yourself sick until you get sick. We're going to talk about gluttony. Amazing thing about gluttony is most everyone immediately associates that with food but when we, when we get around to this one, probably week after next, you're going to find that we can be gluttonous in almost any area of our life. And so we're going to talk about that. How about lust? Lust has got to be fun. Based just on popularity and overall internet sales, lust must be a lot of fun. Did you know that the porn industry takes in more money every year than the NFL, Major League Baseball, and the NBA all combined? That is a mind-boggling number. Slothfulness. Hey, sometimes, boy, it's just fun to sleep in, do nothing, and just laze around. And sometimes it's okay, unless you're neglecting responsibilities in your life that need to be getting done, then slothfulness becomes a sin in our life. It keeps us from accomplishing God's plan for our life. Pride. We talked about that one last week. You know, let's face it, sometimes it's just kind of fun to feel all proud about yourself, think you're really something. That's kind of fun. And how about anger? You say, anger? Anger's not fun. Oh, let me tell you, have you ever noticed how invigorating it is when somebody does something incredibly wrong and, and, and they're definitely in the wrong and you just unload both barrels on them and you just put them in their place? Makes you feel kind of good for a little while, and then before long, you, about a few seconds after you've said it, you just start to feel like a real jerk. Anybody been there? Now, if you do that to someone, and then you, at the end you don't start to feel like a jerk, it's probably because you actually are a real jerk. <laughs> or else you'd feel a little bad about it, okay? That's the difference between feeling like a jerk and really being a jerk. Doesn't bother you if you are a real jerk. But this, this envy deal, I'm telling you, envy is just a, it's a different animal. The other six sins all produce some amount of pleasure, but this one particular sin produces no pleasure whatsoever. All that envy does is kind of get you all knotted and twisted up inside. The truth is this. No one ever wants to really feel envy. Think about it for just a moment. We all feel it from, times, from time to time, but we really don't want to because if you are experiencing the feeling of envy, it means that somebody has got something that you want but you cannot have or cannot get. That's what it all about, amounts to. It's not fun to constantly be wishing you were somebody else. That's not fun. It's not fun to wish you had something that you just can't seem to get your hands on. 
It's not fun to feel like you're less of a success than somebody else. None of these things are fun. Those things are all kind of bring you into a state of misery, really. I don't know much of anything about Henry Ford's religious beliefs. But he, Henry Ford made a very profound quote when he said this concerning envy. About envy, he said, the bottom line is... Uh, uh, oh, wait, it got lost. He said this, it's an appetite that never ceases, yet its only satisfaction is endless self-torment. I'm going to say it again. I confused myself. Envy, it's an appetite that never ceases, and yet its only satisfaction is just endless self-torment. That's what continues to fuel the envy. So in actuality, the bottom line is this. Envy is nothing more than a form of self-abuse. Think about it for a moment. Envy is nothing more than a form of self-abuse, which brings us, or should bring us, to some very poignant questions that we all need to answer. Uh, first of all, if there is no enjoyment in envy, why do we all struggle with it? Secondly, why is it so hard to shake envy out of our system? And third, why is it so prevalent in our society if there's no enjoyment in it? Because let's face it, most people, we live in a society that's all about, man, I, all I want is the pleasure. All I want is the pleasure. I want the excitement. I want the fun. There's a parable that Jesus told in Matthew 20 about workers in the vineyard. The main theme of this story is, is really about God's grace and the fact that when we come to God, whether it's early in life or whether we come to God literally on our deathbed, we all get to share in that same reward of eternal life because of God's grace. And normally when you hear this parable, that's the sermon you're going to hear. But I also want to say this morning that I believe there is an underlying theme in this parable that is so perfect when talking about this subject of envy and how it destroys our life. It turns our hearts from God. Let me first uh, begin to read this parable to you. For the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. At nine o'clock in the morning, as he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing, so he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard. At noon and again at three o'clock, he did the same thing. At five o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again and saw some more people standing around. He asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one hired us. The landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first, the ones who had just been there an hour. When those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more, but they too were paid a day's wage. Now, before I finish this parable, let me stop here just for a second. And I want you to put yourself in the place of these guys that had been working there since early in the morning. 
the foreman calls everyone together and says, okay, we're going to hand out pay for today's work. And he says, I'd like to first pay the guys that have only been here an hour. He, they all come forward. And he says, here's 100 bucks for each of you guys. Now, if you're one of those people that had been there since 9 in the morning, I want you to be very honest because you're in church right now. I want you to be very honest in what you would be thinking right at that moment. The guys that have been there for an hour come up, they get a, a normal day's wage. You're going to be thinking, I'm going to tell you what you're going to be thinking, okay? Is that okay? Here's what you're going to be thinking. You're going to be, oh my goodness, these guys that have been here for just an hour, they got a, a hundred bucks or they got, they got this whole day's wage. I'm about to hit the jackpot. I don't know what I'm about to get, but it's going to be big. That's what we would all be thinking, right? I got one honest person in the whole joint. You'd all be thinking you're about to hit the mother load because this guy that just worked an hour got paid for a normal day. You've been here eight times as long. You're about to hit the jackpot. Well, let's go on here. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. They're very angry all of a sudden. So those people worked only an hour, and yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. He answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous just because I'm kind to others? Now you've got, I hope you are catching what happened in this story. This is such a classic case of envy swooping into someone's life and just ruining their day. It's, that is the specialty of envy. It makes you feel sorry for yourself and it turns what could have been joy in your life, envy turns it into misery in your life. The same thing that could have been joy Envy will turn into misery. Isn't that some? You know, had nobody known what the other guy was getting, those people that worked all day and got their $100, they'd have walked away feeling pretty good about a good day's work and a good day's pay, right? And nothing changed. They had a good day's work and they had a good day's pay. The only thing that was different was envy. They thought they'd been shortchanged. It's all about perspective, isn't it? Sometimes we get lousy perspective on our life and we don't notice all the blessing that's coming into our life because we don't have our eyes on God. We've got it on somebody else that we think is getting more blessing than they deserve. You see where we're going with this? Here are five bad things. I want to give you five bad things that envy does in our life. First of all, envy robs us of joy and happiness. That's a no-brainer. In this story here, all of these workers were treated fairly. They were all happy until they looked around and determined that some of them were getting a better deal than they were getting. They were all happy until they, start, until they started comparing themselves to someone else, right? Had they just gotten an envelope with their, with their day's wage in it, they'd all just walked out of there just happy as pigs in mud. But they let envy rob them of their happiness. Nobody else had a hand in that. Only envy had a hand in that. 
There's something important that I want everyone to understand as, as we're going through this series, and that is I'm not, I don't preach this series on the seven deadly sins because I'm afraid if you start committing the, these sins, you're just going to end up way, having way too much fun in life. We talk about these things because I know that these sins in our lives will keep each of us from experiencing the real joy that God has for us in our life. That's what's going to happen. We're going to end up letting these sins rob our life of joy, happiness, and contentment. So envy, envy causes stress in our life. Have you, how many of you have experienced it? A couple of honest people in the whole joint. Envy, it causes some stress in our life. Stress has been scientifically and medically proven. Stress causes depression and high blood pressure in our life. Stress, depression, and high blood pressure are the number one causes of heart attacks, and heart attacks are the number one killer in the, in the United States today. I'm telling you, envy certainly is deadly in our life. It'll make your life much less enjoyable, and it, will, it can dramatically shorten your life. Second thing that envy does in our life, envy obviously causes conflict in our life. It causes conflict between you and the person or the situation that you're envious of. You know, maybe you're envious of a friend of yours. Maybe you're envious of... I've, I've run into marital situations where spouses are envious of their spouse. Your, uh, people are envious of a friend who has something a little nicer than what you have. Envious of a co-worker who gets promoted ahead of you, even though you're obviously better. We all know that, right? It really doesn't matter the situation. Envy will always destroy relationships in our life. And just like in this story that we're reading, once these workers became envious, they also became very belligerent and mean, hateful. They were angry at that owner, and they were probably angry at those workers who got the same wages as, as they did. This envy literally created hatred and bitterness and conflict, and it created it real fast. Right? I mean, boom, it, it was there. Envy makes us resentful. That's the third point. Envy makes us resentful. In our story, envy very, very quickly caused this worker to change from being friendly and thankful for having a job to being very resentful and bitter. It happened in the blink of an eye. They went from happiness to resentment. I mean, just like that. That's what envy does. Envy is a very, very selfish emotion. It always causes resentment. It brings resentment into our life. We can be, uh, you know, I'm a musician, so I know musicians. I know how musicians think. And a lot of times it's easy for a musician to be envious either proud, either very proud or envious. They can see someone who, who plays their instrument not quite as well as they do, and they, man, <laughs> they're not quite as good as me. Or they can see someone who plays way better than them, and they think, oh, man, that guy makes me sick. He plays so good. That's how musicians think that. Not me, of course. <laughs> I've never thought that. <laughs> resentful that someone has a happy marriage and you don't 
First of all, let me say, not everyone that you assume has a happy marriage has a happy marriage. I'll just, that's all I'll say. A lot of people that you think have the perfect marriage are battling some of the same things that you may battle within your own marriage. You only see them a couple times a week. It's easy to make people think you're happy. How many of you have been coming to church before? You've been screaming at each other. You pull into the church parking lot. You get a great, hey, Fred, how you doing, man? Here, let me open the car for you, dear. You know. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> you might be envious of that. You might be resentful that someone gets a promotion and you didn't get the promotion. You might be, uh, I have run across this before. There are people who are, have resentment because they think someone is, is more physically attractive than they are, and they resent them for it. It happens. It's crazy, but it happens. And, and this list, these are just a few examples. I mean, we could make a list, uh, a ponderously long list, couldn't we, of things that sometimes we catch ourselves being envious and resentful for. But let me say this. This is the one thing that I find kind of funny about envy. Of all the things that usually make us envy, most of them are things we would absolutely never admit to in a hundred years. Because it makes us look jerky, right? Man, we're not going to go up and say, hey man, you are a great piano player. I hate your guts because you're just so good and I'm not that good and so you stink, you know? We're not going to say anything like that. We're not going to admit that somebody really is, you know, better looking or has got nicer stuff. We're in, it's going on inside, but we never want to admit to it because that just makes us look very small. We know it makes us look small, so we keep it to ourselves, but we don't kick it out of our life. It's self-torment, isn't it? Come on, it doesn't make any sense, right? We're guilty of something that we think is so small that we're not going to admit it to anybody. I'll get back on track here. That was all for free. The fourth thing that envy does to us, envy leads to a lot of other sins. You know, one of the main dangers of all of these seven deadly sins is they all lead to a legion of other sins. And envy, more than most other sins, it really seems to cause us to make all sorts of stupid, ridiculous decisions and choices in our life. Envy caused Cain to murder his own brother. I've heard people say, well, of course he murdered his own brother. There were no other brothers to murder. And we don't even know if that's true. I mean, the Bible doesn't tell us every person that you know, lived in biblical times. So we don't know that for sure. Envy is what caused Joseph's brothers to sell him into slavery. Almost they were ready to kill him, but then out of the generosity of their hearts, they decided they would just sell him into slavery into another country. Probably made them feel good about themselves. We were going to kill you, but now we're just going to send you off to another country to be a slave so you can thank us. Have you ever offered somebody a deal kind of like that? You know, trying to make yourself feel better when they're all lousy decisions, right? Envy is what caused Saul to spend most of his, or at least a good portion of his life, chasing after trying to kill David. Envy. It does some weird, crazy, dangerous things to us, doesn't it? 
Even, even Jesus' disciples were very envious of each other at times. Several of them trying to figure out, you know, who was really the greatest. Preachers kind of suffer from that sometimes. I'll talk more about that. So James put it pretty good. He stated it well in, in James 3.16. He says, For wherever there is jealousy and self-ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. That, that nails it right there. The fifth thing that envy does is envy distracts us from God's purpose in our life. That's probably the biggest tragedy about envy. We take our attention off of what God wants for our lives and we place all of that attention on the lives of other people. What's going on in their life? We begin to pay more attention to what God is doing in someone else's life and we completely miss out on what he's wanting to do in our life. He's wanting to do some great things in our life. It's not happening because we are all focused on what's going on in somebody else's life. Why don't I have this? Why don't I have that? Why do they have that? They don't deserve that. I deserve that. You got all this junk going on. I mean, God, I would have to guess, gets very tired of constantly trying to get our attention sometimes. You know, like, hey, 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 over here, over here. I've got this great plan for your life if you can just pay attention here for a little while. And sometimes we do and sometimes we don't. I don't think it's a coincidence that envy is right up there near the top of our, seven, our list of seven deadly sins. When we come in contact with it almost on a, on a daily basis. Envy, in fact, has been, if you stop and think about it, envy has been the driving force behind our economy for about 40 or 50 years. You know, one of the reasons that our economy is, is not very strong, and contrary to what you may believe, our, our, our economy could collapse. It's kind of a false economy. And it's, the reason it's so much weaker is because for so long, envy had created in people uh, this desire to buy things they couldn't really afford. And as the Bible promises, you know, all the fun eventually comes to an end, right? And now here we are with actually a much weaker economy than we had 50 years ago because a lot of people have run out of buying power because now the majority of their money is going to pay for things they bought in the past. Mark Twain I don't know anything about his spiritual or religious background, but he also had a, a profound statement. And Mark Twain said this, A man will do many things to get himself loved, but he will do all things to get himself envied. That one, you could chew on that one for a while, right? Man, we'll do all sorts of things to get ourselves loved, but we'll do almost anything to get ourselves envied. We want people to look at us and say, man, boy, I wish I was like him. I wish I could do what he does. I wish I could have what he has. That's, that's Satan's big plan for getting our attention off of Jesus Christ and onto ourselves. So let me begin to close this thing out this morning. How do we begin to overcome this deadly trap of envy? So I'm going to give you a few practical things that we can do. The first one is this. You have to stop comparing yourself to others. 
Stop comparing yourself to others. I find it also very interesting just how closely related pride and envy are. Pride and envy are so closely related. Pride was first on our list and now envy is second. But it's interesting that both of these two uh, traits, pride and envy, they both find their root in the same thing, which is comparing ourselves to others. Make sense? Both pride and envy are all about comparing ourselves to others. Here is the big difference. Here's the difference. When it comes to pride, when we compare ourselves to someone else, we come out on top. Right? That's where the pride creeps in. When it comes to envy, we compare ourselves to someone else and we decide we're coming out on the short end of the stick. That's the difference between pride and envy. But isn't it interesting how close in nature those two things are? That's why we have to stop comparing ourselves to others. Because one way or the other, nothing good is ever going to become of that. You're either going to end up deciding that you're just a little bit better than someone else and the pride begins to build up, or you're going to convince yourself that God is just dealing you a bad hand because someone else is getting blessed better than you are. Neither way is going to turn out well at all, is it? And, and please don't think you are unique that you deal with issues of envy. You don't have to be ashamed to admit it because as I was saying, uh, even preachers deal with this. I've served for several years as, as the presbyter of the San Antonio section. I, I get involved with all sorts of deals, but believe me, the pastors, even pastors have to get this emotion of envy and pride in check in their life. I'm not bad-mouthing pastors because I am one. But I will just say this. It, it's very easy for a pastor to walk into a very small, tiny church you know, and look around and start to think, they must not be as good as me. We got a lot more people in our church. And that same pastor, a week later, can walk into some mega church of 10,000, walk in there and think, man, what am I doing wrong? What has this guy got that I haven't got? That's just kind of a natural thing. But we experience that in just about any uh, type of work that we're involved in, don't we? It's very easy to be caught up in either pride or envy. And God is telling us that we have to learn to control this emotion in our life. We have to learn to keep our eyes off of people around us and keep our eyes focused on what God has for us. Everybody deals with these issues of envy and jealousy at times, but constantly comparing yourself to someone else is a bad way to live your life. It's a very unfulfilling way to live your life. So here's a little assignment that you could do this week. Because chances are always good that some type of situation is going to rise up where you find yourself kind of comparing yourself to someone else. But as soon as you notice these feelings coming on, I want you to just stop, kind of hit the pause button in your life and pray this prayer. Pray to the Lord. Say, God, I just want to thank you for making me, me. Thank you, God, for making me, me. Help me stop comparing myself to someone else or to this person. So if we want to overcome envy in our life, the first thing we have to do 
is we have to stop comparing ourselves to others. Amen? The second thing we need to do, we have to start being thankful for who we are and what we have. Start being thankful for who you are and what you have. There's always going to be somebody that has more than you, but here's the deal. There's always plenty of people that have less than you. Be thankful for where you're at. One of Satan's all-time favorite tricks is to take our attention off of how God is blessing us and, and focusing our attention on how he's blessing somebody else. That is one of his biggest tricks. When that happens, we tend to stop being thankful to God for what he's blessing us with in our life, and we start getting annoyed that somebody else seems to be getting blessed in a way that we're not. And eventually, we even begin to feel resentment towards God himself. And that's how envy becomes this very sharp, double-edged sword in the life of a Christian. Not only do people start to resent other people, but very soon they start to resent God himself. We have to learn to be content with the blessings that God has placed into our life. The third thing, we need to show kindness to the people we envy. Show kindness to the person you envy. Now, what you may be thinking, well, Pastor Doug, you just told us that we shouldn't be envying at all. But now you're telling us to be, show kindness to the person that we envy. Well, I am because I am not naive enough to think that everyone's just going to walk out of this church today and have this area of their life completely under control because I stood up here and said, now you need to stop envying. Well, all, all of us will continue to face these feelings in our life, right? We all still face it from time to time. What I'm saying is when you sense these feelings of envy rising up, instead of being resentful, begin to replace that with acts of love and kindness. Show kindness, even rejoice with those who are experiencing great blessing and success in their life. Show kindness and love and just see if God does not begin to bless you in a whole new way in your life. If you'll do that. That is the key to overcoming envy in our life. The key is kind, replacing envy and jealousy with kindness and love. That's how you get over it. That's how you push it out of your life and replace it with something that's going to draw you closer to God rather than push you farther away. Here's a principle that we all have to understand. This is important. Godly actions precede godly feelings. Did you catch that? Godly actions precede godly feelings. And the reason that's important is because a lot of times in life, we tend to get that backwards. I don't feel very godly, Lord, because I don't like what's going on in my life. As soon as you start making things happen the way I'm wanting them to happen, then maybe I'll start feeling a little more godly. How many of you have discovered it never works that way? We have, to start, we have to start being godly before we start feeling godly feelings. Sometimes, a lot of times, we have to do things that we know we should do even though we don't feel like doing them. And the reason for that is is because godly actions are going to precede godly feelings. Let's say that I'm feeling jealous of someone or very, very envious. If all I'm doing is just sitting around pouting, feeling sorry and resentful for myself, 
Those feelings are not going to be going away anytime soon, are they? I need to get up and take a positive action. And by doing godly things and showing kindness and love instead of envy, the, that kindness and love just begins to melt away those feelings of envy and God is able to restore your contentment in life. That's how it works. This week, make it a, a prayer point and an action point to begin to kill your areas of envy with kindness and love. God guarantees it will change your life. So I'll close right now with something that Paul wrote, Philippians 4.11. Paul said, For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. That's a pretty easy sentence to grab a hold of, isn't it? I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. But that, it's really a lot deeper than it appears on the, on the surface. Because what this sentence says is that Paul didn't always have that down in his life. He wasn't always able to be content with circumstances. He had to learn how to be content. You know, contentment in life really doesn't come naturally to us humans. Discontent is what comes natural. We always want something better. We always want something more. Paul finally figured this out, and he learned, he learned to be content whatever the circumstance in life was. We need to start working on this. It's not just going to happen naturally in our life, is it? We have to learn to be content in our life with what God is blessing us with. That is one of God's great goals for your life, for you to be content in life. He wants you to be content. He doesn't want you to be all wrapped up in what you have or don't have, but that you are content in being the best that you can be. Just being the best you that you can be, God will place contentment in your life. Very content with, with who God created you to be. Amen? You have been listening to CT Church in San Antonio, Texas. This recording was presented in the context of our Sunday service. For more information, please visit us at ctagsa.com, connect with us on Facebook, or call us at 210-657-3578.